welcome to the Life Church podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message from our lead pastor, Zion Douglas, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. So this morning I'd like us to turn to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to be continuing on this journey, and I want to read this passage of Scripture. It's from verse 17 to 26. It's well known, but we're going to dive on in. Bob was good. Give me an amen when you get there. I heard one. That's great. Fantastic. If you don't have a Bible or an iPhone or anything like that, check out the screen. It'll be up there. And it says this from verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. I would love this to be known as a place that when, Jesus, when we start worshiping Jesus, we just know that we know that we know that there's just a power in here for things to be shifted in people's lives. There's just something that shifts in the atmosphere when Jesus, when we're worshiping Jesus. Verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what, what they were thinking and asked, what are you thinking? Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easy to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I, will, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message as we continue our second part of our series, is simply this, your invitation isn't wasted. Write that down, your invitation isn't wasted. Let me pray. Dear Lord, we thank You that Your Holy Spirit is with us in this moment, in this place right now. We thank You for what You're doing in the hearts and minds of Your people this morning. And let my words, Lord, fall to the ground and let Your words take residence in our lives. Lord, we lift our gaze to heaven and take our eyes off our own fragility and our own confusion that may be clouding our view at the moment when we fix our, our eyes on You. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. We also pray for the hurricanes. Lord, they need Your help. Dear Jesus, we pray for also that Your angels will come against the blues at whatever cost. Send them, Lord. Send them, Lord. Send them, Lord. We're believing for revival in Jesus' name. Give you all the glory and the praise. Amen. Amen. Anybody support the blues in this house this morning? Ah, oh, okay. We've got one of them, all right? Security. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, we're, we're, this, is hurricanes. this is hurricanes country. All right, just if you noticed already. One of the type of people that I'm not even going down that road. I'm going to offend somebody. And who knows when I start talking like this, when I'm kind of, my voice is going, my words are going to hit in my brain. I start to say some things that Sophie will not like, that the Lord will not, not like, and I have to apologize next Sunday. So let's move on. Let's move on. We find Jesus in Luke chapter 5 in the middle of, th- in the middle of a, a situation. In the middle of a moment where 
things were happening. He was spending his time, it says, choosing his disciples. This was, this was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he was going about and he was calling to his disciples to come and follow him. And also during this time was an amazing period because Jesus was going from, the Bible says, from town to town and performing miracles. And people that were, were sick were getting healed. People that were, had, had things in their, in their lives, he, he was dealing with them in the supernatural. It was an incredible moment and it was an incredible time. Mark chapter 2 verse 2, we, we see that Jesus' reputation had gone before him. All this stuff was happening. And so all these people from all over the place, from Judea and Jerusalem and, and even Galilee in, the, in that area, had come to see and be a part of what was happening with Jesus. They had heard of all this stuff and heard all the ruckus that was going on. And I know that if any of us were there and we heard that Jesus was in town, we would want to be in the room. Amen. Okay, maybe the four of us would want to be in the room if Jesus turned up, but that's okay. We'll go on the rapture, you guys stay behind. Stuff was happening and people wanted to be there to be with Jesus. And Mark chapter 2 verse 2, as I said, which is telling the same story from a different perspective, it says, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. That this house wasn't just full, it was chock-a-blocker. It was absolutely full. Jesus had entered the town. People from all over the place had showed up because they wanted to know more about this Jesus and they wanted to experience all the great things that Jesus was doing. The great thing about it too, I guess, was that it wasn't a show. I mean, it wasn't, there weren't any lights. There, were, there wasn't a, an amazing band. There wasn't, you know, smoke machine or anything like that. There wasn't a... A, a coffee cart down the back to make sure that you kind of got caffeinated in the afternoon to make sure that you were able to get out of your hibernation to attend church and be engaged. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But there was none of that. All there was was Jesus and people came because they wanted to be with him and around him. They came from all over the place and the whole place, the whole house the Bible says was full. And I want us to imagine that we're in a similar situation. I want us to imagine that there was no air conditioning here this morning. I want us to, to imagine that it was a hot summer's day in Palmerston North. We know that those things are beautiful and they are maybe a little bit more, uh, maybe a bit more uh, temperature than the normal summer uh, day in Palmerston North. I imagine this place was boiling hot and people were, were cramming in and there was no room to get in. Imagine if you kind of came in, uh, drove into church and tried to get into the car park, but you couldn't even get into the car park and you kind of looked at the front entrance and everybody was just bouncing into each other to try and get into the room. That was what it was like. It was just full and people wanted to get into the place. But then there was this group of men there was this group of men, the Bible says, and they had a friend, and this friend was paralyzed. And the only problem with that was that the Bible says in verse 1, it says, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. When we believe that, amen, when the Holy Spirit comes and moves, we're believing that we don't just have a good time, but we see the supernatural take place. Am I the only Pentecostal in the house tonight, this morning? Amen, come on, let's go, people. When the power of the Lord is in the house, we're expecting him to move. The only problem was, is that the man who needed the power that was in the room was out of the room. 
So there was a man that was out of the room that needed to be in the room, but he couldn't be in the room because of everybody that was already in the room and because of his circumstances and his physical makeup and because he was paralyzed. The room was full of Jewish leaders and religious leaders. Jewish, Jewish people that kind of were just sitting there to observe and to kind of make judgment. As the Bible says, they kind of, kind of listened to everything that was Jesus, Jesus was saying, but trying to make sure that he was tripping up so that we could, you know, kind of speak down to him and everything like that. The Bible tells us that although Jesus had the power to heal inside, as I said, the man who needed it most was on the outside. I'm sure at that moment, the paralyzed man's friends had a decision to make that were going to change his life forever. I mean, either they could look at the reality of the situation like we all do. We're very good at looking at the reality of the situation. We're very good at kind of looking at the physical makeup of what is going on and making our decision based on that. They could have looked at the situation and said, the house is full. The house is just full. Practically speaking, sir, the house is full. They could have said, Jesus is already surrounded by so many people. He's already surrounded. He's already, everybody's already up in his grill. They, they, they could have said, we, we, we shouldn't really be a nuisance to everyone in the house. Because who knows, when you come to church, you are not allowed to get rowdy. I was hoping at least one person would rebuke that, but it's okay. Like we can't disturb anybody. We can't, we can't make a ruckus. We, 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 can't, we can't do anything that would upset the run sheet or you know, uh, you know, make, make everybody else feel a little bit uncomfortable. They could have also said there is no way that we can carry our friend that is paralyzed, practically speaking, into the room in the state that he is to Jesus. They could have gone that way or they could, have, they could decide that doing everything they could to make a way for a friend was worth it. They had an opportunity to invite their friend who needed to meet with Jesus, and they knew it wasn't a waste of their time. A well-known preacher often says that we will do anything short of sin so that every person can meet with Jesus. We're not going to delve into sin by no means, but we will do everything short of sin to make sure that every single person in our world has the opportunity to meet with their personal Savior. I mean, our mission statement here at Life Church is, is this, to help people. I'd love us all just to, if you took away anything from this message, it's just to remind yourself or to remember those three words in our mission statement, to help people experience a, a life-changing relationship with Jesus to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. But this morning, we all need to know that helping someone to know Jesus always begins with an invitation. When Jesus called to his disciples, he didn't manipulate them, or he didn't con them into following him. Jesus went to where they were and then invited them. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16 and 20, it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into his own lake, into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Notice he didn't manipulate them. He didn't, he didn't offer them anything. He, he didn't say that I'm going uh, uh, to make you into millionaires or anything like that. All he said was, come, follow me, Jesus said. And then he says, and I'll make, send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 19, when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. 
And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired men and followed him. We all need to know this morning that we serve a God who is an inviting God. I'd I'd, I'd hope that we believe that and we know that our God is an inviting God. He's not a far off God that is just wanting us, uh, you know, just making us, trying to make us feel bad. He's not a sort of God that tries to push us down in, in, in our guilt. He is a God that wants to draw near to us. Amen. The definition in the, in the Merriam-Webster dictionary of invite means to request the presence or participation of. To request the presence or participation of. I think we all need to know this morning that God is requesting your presence and he is requesting your participation in what he wants to do here on earth. Amen. He is inviting. Come on, can I hear an amen? He is inviting us to not just sit back and go through life. He is inviting us to draw near to him in his presence. And he's also calling us, he's inviting us to be part of the solution that our world faces. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've kind of walked into an event or been somewhere where you're kind of not supposed to be. Well, for me, when I was growing up, the, the one thing that I really looked forward to the most when I was coming through um, primary and intermediate was, was, was becoming 13 years old. Th- 13 years old. Amen. Becoming 13 years old was the, was the, was the year that I was just looking forward to so much. I, I couldn't wait for it. I, I dreamt about it. I, I, I literally talked to my mum about it because I was so excited to be 13 years old because when I was 13 years old, that meant that I could go to youth. I could go to youth and it was amazing. I, I grew up with a few older siblings. I had a brother that was two years older than me. I had a sister that was four years older than me. I had another brother that was six years older than me. And I had another sister that was eight years older than me. So my entire life, pretty much from whenever I can remember, was seeing my brothers and sisters going to youth and having the time of their lives. I just remember them coming home and me just being in awe of them. They were on the band. My sister sung. My brother played the bass. My other brother played the drums. My other sister sang. It was just an crazy time. I wanted to be part of that. And so when I was 12 years old and I was coming up to my 13th birthday, I was so pumped and ready to be part of youth. Oh, let's go. I don't care if you don't believe me or you don't, want, you don't care what I care about. That's fine. I cared about being in youth. And so I got to this point where I was 13 years old. I'd started high school. And so it came to the day that I was allowed to go to my first night of youth. And I was so excited. I wore the right things. I made sure that I put on the right stuff. I made sure that I had a plan for when I was going to walk into the building, that I wasn't going to be too keen, but I was going to kind of sit back and stand back and be in the corner and kind of observe what's going on. So the people that were there would know that I'm kind of a cool kid. I wasn't really. I was, I was, I was a dork. I still am a dork. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, it was such an exciting time. And I remember walking in and going into youth and I, it was my first time. I was so excited and I walked in and then on the other side of the room, I could see my niece. And the problem with that is that my niece, she was 12 years old. I'd been building up to this moment and my niece, who was 12 years old, was at youth too and that was not okay. So I marched up to her and I said, you're not allowed to be here because you're not old enough. I was also kind and empathetic when I was growing up too. I mean, <laughs> dork, kind, empathetic, yeah. But she turned to me, I remember, she, she turned to me, she said, well, I don't care what you say because your older sister invited me and she's a leader, so there's nothing you can do about it. 
And so last year I dealt with my offense and I'm all okay now. But in that moment, I was so angry. I'd been waiting for this moment. And, and she said, I don't care what you say, I'm allowed to be here. And we've got to be the sort of Christians that know that we know that we know that we are called and we are allowed and we are, we, 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 we are, we are destined to be where we are, not because of some person they asked us to. It's not because of what is happening in our future or in our past, but God has invited us to be where we are. We need to be the, come on, let's give him some praise for what he's done for us, making a way. But we need to be the sort of people that know who we are and whose we are. So when we step into where we are going, we're not intimidated in what is going to happen or what is in our past, but we step in with the full confidence that he has called us for such a time as this. I know you might be sitting here this morning, you might be saying, well, you, you don't know me, you don't know what I've been through, you don't know my past, you don't know anything about me. And yes, you might be right, but it, what even is more truthful than, than your facts, that there's, there's truth and there's facts, there's facts that's great. But the truth is, is that God has called you. God has saved you by his blood and you are washed clean. That your past is your past, but you also, even though you have a past, you have a future in Jesus. And we need to know that here this morning. Anybody believe that? Say, Amen. Even right now, you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. There's an invitation to you to open your life and to accept Him this morning. You might not think of yourself as worthy enough. You might not think of yourself as being good enough. But the Christian life isn't about being good. It's, our li- it's about our lives going from death to life. Amen. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is inviting us to relationship. Amen? You don't believe me. Matthew 11.28.30. Then Jesus said, Come to me. He's inviting us. Come to me. Yes, you. Come to me. All, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. If you remember anything this morning, just remember that God is kind and humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Amen. You don't believe me. Revelation 22, 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Come, let anyone who hears us say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Isaiah 55 verse one, the title of this part of scripture is invitation to the Lord's salvation. It says, is anyone thirsty? Not speaking physically here, we're speaking spiritually. Thirst for our spirit. Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come take your choice of wine or milk. I, I love my milk. I love my milk. It's great. I'll take that. Come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. You don't have to earn it, even though you don't feel like you deserve it. You don't have to work for it. All you need to do is receive it. Amen? He cares for you, and He is inviting you each day to know Him more and to receive what you can't get for yourself. There is an invitation for you to give him your heavy burdens. There was an invitation for you to drink the water of life. There was an invitation for you to enter into his presence. There was an invitation for you to receive salvation. There was an invitation for you to live within eternity with him. There was an invitation because our God is a God who invites each and every single one of us. I wanna pivot right now because I wanna go in a little bit of a different direction. 
Because also what I want to say, the problem can be so often that the invitation is extended to us, but we don't pass on the invitation to others. The men outside the, the house in this passage of scripture could have just looked out for themselves. They could have found a way to get in the room to see Jesus. They could have joined the crowd at the, by the door trying to listen to him. They could have simply just made it all about themselves in that moment. They could have found any reason to think that inviting their crippled friend, their paralyzed friend, was a waste of time. And for many of us, and I'm speaking to myself here this morning too, extending an invitation to others to meet Jesus can sometimes seem like a waste. It got real quiet real quickly. We love the fact that we are invited. We love the fact that we are serving an inviting God that draws near to us when we draw near to Him. But we need to understand that that isn't the end of who we are as children of God. The blessing of being invited is also a prerequisite for being people who invite others at the same time. And I think there are a few reasons why we can see our invitation to others to know Jesus as a waste of time. The first one is probably, I don't really love what I have. If you think of your invitation to others to know Jesus as a waste of time, maybe this morning it's because you don't really love what you have. Yeah, it's a good thing. I, I love the fact that I've got Jesus in my soul. I love the fact that Jesus is in my life. It's a good thing. It's great. It's a, it's a great addition for my life. The problem with that is that if it's an addition for your life, when everything is going great, yeah, Jesus, you're amazing. But when everything is going bad, we turn to other things to fill the hole that Jesus is meant to take. It's a good thing. It's, it's a great thing. It's really convenient but I've lost my love for Jesus and what he has called me to do. Revelation 2, it says this in verse 4, but I have this against you. Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus, you have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. You were once in love, you were once passionate about it, but now you're not passionate at all. You've actually lost that love that you once had. Inviting others to know Jesus will always seem like a waste of time when he is a convenient addition to who you are rather than at the absolute center of who you are. If he's just an addition, we'll just take it for granted and, and, and use this feeling. Come to church on a Sunday and be like, oh, that's, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm stoked now. But when he's at the center of who we are, we can't help but share and invite others to know him too. And religion can so easily sink its talons into our passion for Jesus when we, when we do this whole thing out of duty to the rules rather than out of devotion to his heart. Has anybody been in that sort of situation before? When it's just become religion for you, when it's just become attendance for you, when it's just turned into something that you have to do to fit in or to do the right thing, it's just turned into a list of rules rather than being devoted and aligned to what his heart is saying. I wonder if that's happened to you. And Paul said this to the church in, in, in Rome in Acts 28, 27. For the hearts of these people are hardened. 
and their ears cannot hear and they have eye, they've closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. They closed off all that they were and they lost what they once had. Is this the reason why you think that your invitation this morning is the waste? Because you've lost your first love for him. Secondly, the reason why your invitation may seem like a waste when you're inviting others to, to know Jesus could be, I want to keep what I have to myself. I want what I have to be kept to myself. Now I've found that there are a few things that we should all definitely keep to ourselves. Sneezes. <laughs> Unintelligent opinions. I was just waiting if anybody looked at anybody else in the moment. <laughs> Half-eaten gum. Don't, don't share that. Roll on deodorant. Do not. Don't, do, don't go there. Toothbrush. Don't, just don't, don't do that. Or any posts on social media about Liverpool winning the Premier League when you haven't even watched a game this season. If you're one of those people that love Liverpool now just because they won the league, this is not the church for you. I should probably stop saying that because I say it about every second week and somebody's actually going to leave this church because of that one day. I'm kidding. There's some things that we are meant to keep to ourselves, but when it comes to Jesus, we were never meant to keep him all for ourselves. You know what? The devil doesn't have to worry about making you a sinful Christian when all he has to do is make you a selfish Christian. The Christian life, the Christian walk, the, the, the purpose of being a follower of Jesus isn't to just be good. The purpose of following Jesus is to be effective for his kingdom. Being righteous and good and doing the right thing, obeying his commands, 100% part of it. I'm not saying that it's not. Do not hear me on that, teenagers. But what I am saying is that we are not just called to be good. We are called to be effective by making a disciples of all nations. If we're not careful, our relationship with Jesus can never mature from consuming to contributing. We just go about thinking it's all for me and I just want what I want and I don't care about what anybody else needs or wants in my world. The services today can begin about my, my fix for the weekends. I'll sing the songs that I like and I'll sit in my chair and I'll talk to the people I like, thank you very much. Life group can be about filling my spiritual and social needs instead of being a blessing to those around me. Our time in the Word can just be about what God can do for me rather than what He wants to do through me. But that's not the way that we're meant to live our lives. And something I've said before, but I was reminded of it when somebody else posted it through the week. And they said, if all your prayers were answered, would it just change your world or would it change the world? Is your Christian life, is your, is your outlook, is your relationship with Jesus or inward focus or is it an outward focus? Is it all about blessing yourself and you're living a great prosperous life? That's the word I got there, people. Or is it a life of blessing and looking outside of who you are? Matthew 10 verse 8 tells us, freely you received, so freely give. In Acts chapter 20 verse 24, Paul says, but whether I live or die is not important. For I don't esteem my life as indispensable. It's more important for me to fulfill my destiny and to finish the ministry my Lord Jesus has assigned to me, which is to faithfully preach the wonderful news of God's grace. 
And I want us to all to know that we, that we experience true freedom when we are no longer enslaved to our own desires. We need to be overcome just what we want so that we can bless other people. The third reason that our invitation can sometimes be a waste is, is, is that I forgot that others need what I have. <laughs> Isn't that so true? It's certainly been true for me. I forgot that others need what I have. Maybe you've lost the side effect that eternity is in the balance for every person that we ever meet. I don't want you to feel condemned or to walk out here with a heavy burden, but I do want every person to walk out this morning with a deep understanding that a faith worth having is a faith worth sharing. That if you really believe what you believe, if you really do think about God in the way that you think about Him, if you do really do worship God the way you worship Him because He saved you from what you were and what you were in, I want you to know that that doesn't need to just stop with us. It can't just stop with us. We need to be people that if we believe what we believe, then we can't just keep it all for ourselves. That we can't forget the fact that others need what has been given to us. Ephesians 2 verse 4 and 5 says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. We are saved. We're taken from dead to death to life. We have eternity with our, with our Lord and Savior and we have relationship with him today. And we can't forget the fact that other people need what we have right now. We have a world that has questions about the purpose of life. We have a world in distress about the future. We have a world that is living with shame from their past. And in Jesus, we have the answers to what the world really needs. Our workplaces and schools and offices and Zoom calls and family dinners and cafe catch-ups with old friends and our sports teams and everywhere we go and everywhere, everyone we meet needs a saviour that you have living within you. You are the answer and you have the answer for the people that are in your world. Amen. So this morning I want to ask everyone to step out of their own comfort zones in the next couple of weeks to exercise your invitation to others in, in three ways. The team can come up, thank you so much. The first way that we can exercise our faith and to make sure that our invitation isn't seen as a waste is firstly by inviting someone into a conversation. And what I mean by that, I don't mean by just having a conversation with somebody. I'm not just talking about having a good talk. I'm talking about a conversation where you can, you can share your story about what Jesus has done for you. Invite someone into a conversation this week. Invite someone into a conversation where you can share what Jesus has done in your life. Revelation 12, uh, 12, 11 says, and they have conquered him. They have conquered the devil. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Amen. We need to know that the best testimony that our friends and family will ever hear is the testimony that comes from you. Your testimony. Don't wait for a conference. Don't wait for a moment. Don't wait for a shining light in the sky. The, the, the voice that our friends and family needs, the truth that they need, is you, is yours. Secondly, what I would love to, us to do is to invite someone into our family. Invite someone into our family. I'm not talking about our biological family. I'm talking about the people that champion you in the good seasons and support you in the, in the bad seasons. I'm talking about the people that, you, that know more than just your name. 
the people that you intentionally take time to surround yourself with every week or every fortnight. I'm talking about your life group. That's our family. And the reality is that the world, I I, I believe, is, is facing an epidemic of loneliness. There are so many people in our world. There are so many people in our city. There are so many people in your workplace and in, in, in your sports teams that are lonely. And while the coronavirus may, be a, may, may mean death to the body, loneliness is like death to the soul. And what people need in our world are people that can come around them and support them and love them for who they are. People whose heart is to completely love and support them for no reason at all, just simply because they're a child of God. If you wanna wanna have a couple of scriptures on that, Luke 14, 11 to 14, and Titus 1, 7 to 8, how about you read that? And lastly, how about taking the step to invite someone into your community? After inviting someone into a conversation and into your family, into your life group, what, what could be better than gathering with a few hundred people that are sold out for Jesus in an environment where the Holy Spirit is moving. What an incredible thing that is. We need to know that this isn't, an, this isn't exclusive. And it, this whole thing isn't just for me, it's for everyone and my invitation isn't wasted. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.